0: Communication's disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. You must contact me. Negotiation, we've
1: lost all communication. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Bibble's Babble Bubble. We've been a- off for the past couple weeks. Hopefully, in this interim, everyone's had time to really reflect on a lot of the stuff that's going on right now, hopefully grow a little and realize that, you know, there's a lot of change that needs to be happening on all sorts of levels. But the show's back on air, and we're diving once more into this little multi-episode exploration of Disney during the prequel eras, which is 1999 through 2005. And this week, I have a super special guest, who is back last on in i think it was october or september so you know the, the you have been clamoring for his return the man who used the gungans to save venice from drowning the mysterious mr l himself
0: Hello. yeah back from the dead assholes <laughs>
1: ah. well thank you very much for joining me sir
0: it's always a pleasure to join co bibble in the babble bubble
1: in the babble bubble you know it's the bab the babliest of bubbles the bubbliest of babbling.
0: Now, is this Babble Bubble built by Gungans? I, I have to ask. Or is it a uh, a separate architectural venture?
1: It's a separate architectural venture. Otherwise, it would be a Bombad Babble that's, Bubble. Uh, that's
0: true. The Bombad Babble Bubble.
1: So it could be C.O. Bibble's Bombad Babble Bubble.
0: Might have been a missed opportunity there.
1: Which reminds me, not that this is what we're talking about, but did you ever play the Bombad Racing Game?
0: No, I don't think I ever did. What happens in the Bombad Racing Game?
1: I never played it either. I just it seemed like something you may have had, um, but you know they took rather than you know the pod racing, everybody just drove little sh- versions of the ships associated with them and had really big heads, and it was like a racing track. It was kind of more like a like Mario Kart in a way, but I don't know if it was that good. But I remember one of them was Queen Amidala with her big head floating around driving a. A Naboo N- N1. Those
0: little yellow... I, I can't believe I missed that. That sounds like an amazing game. The only uh, Star Wars racing I ever did was in Lego Star Wars, the prequels where you have to do the the pod race. And perhaps it's one of the most difficult video game experiences of my entire life.
1: Man, you know, I love those Lego Star Wars games, but anything where you have to move a ship is tricky as all hell. That's definitely number one hardest. Number two is, uh, for me, when you do the attack, the clones bit, the gunship, battle Mm. it takes like five minutes but you can't get past this one i at least i should say i can't get past this one particular thing so i I sort of classify that in lord of the rings war of the north territory yeah
0: (laughs) war in the north territory unbeatable (laughs)
1: unbeatable you can't beat the first boss i've tried you know i've contemplating going onto YouTube and looking up that game to see if somebody did it. But then I feel like I just feel sad if they were saying, man, this is the easiest boss fight ever. <laughs> like, oh no, I can't take it. <laughs> oh man, we tried that Wait, we, I remember we got really close once. And
0: uh, Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough game. You know, anyone out there looking for a challenge in these uh, lockdown times, you know, a game is going to take you a while. It's more in the north. More in the north.
1: Cool characters though. You play a ranger, an elf dwarf and it's the three of them you can play with your friends good fun but it has nothing to do with star wars or disney which is what we're here to talk about true, it's a nice true. little bit ba- you, you never know what's going to happen in the bone bad babble bubble when you know thought juices get a get rolling anyhow so i have in front of me here a list of all the live action disney films that came out from 1999 to 2005 and this list is a lot bigger than i expected and a good number of them I didn't even know were films. I have no recollection, and this was came out during, you know, my childhood. So it's kind of funny, I guess, just sort of blocked out that memory. Some of them, you know, I think are very tired and true and ended up spawning franchises, and others of them had some good stuff working with them but didn't explode the way I'm sure Disney would have hoped. So rather than go in chronological order, I think what we're going to start off with is Just kind of name some of the big ones that people remember from this time. And then we're going to dive into kind of the more smaller, obscure ones, which, you know, who knows? Maybe this episode will come out and everyone's going to say, how did you not know about that movie, you you dingus? So I'm sorry, preemptively for that. But I think, you know, the first one that warrants a conversation of any variety is Inspector Gadget. came out in
0: 1999 inspector gadget a classic Uh, who was in that was matthew broderick in that movie
1: matthew broderick is inspector gadget yes
0: he is the inspector gadget he is
1: the inspector gadget i don't even remember who plays the claw guy
0: yeah i have no idea it's just claw
1: that movie almost was kind of scary for me because i wasn't a big fan of like body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. you know and seeing like his body change made me a little uncomfortable as a kid yeah it
0: is that early cgi era where (laughs) they don't have the same let me tell you the graphics are not necessarily up to the standards that star wars was setting at the time but Mm -hmm. that might have lent a little bit to that body dysmorphia i remember i was a huge fan of the cartoon and so i I was always looking at it kind of from that perspective and i'm not sure i'd I'd like this movie as much as i wanted to Mm -hmm.
1: well it's kind of funny inspector gadget so that came out in july so the Phantom Menace had only been out for two months. They may have even been in theater at the same time. So a little bit of competition there. I think we can guess who won in the long term, Inspector Gadget or the Phantom Menace. Though so, I'll ask you this. Here's a good question. So let's picture the whole Duel of the Fates business, right? In mm-hmm. the Phantom Menace. We got Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. But Darth Maul snaps his fingers and Inspector Gadget shows up. Oh, joins, no. him the, joins him in the fight.
0: Who's going to win? I guess it depends on the gadgets that Inspector Gadget has. If he's limited to his Earthbound gadgets, I don't know how much of a help he's going to (laughs) be. Doesn't he have
1: a boxing glove that springs out and hits someone, though?
0: (laughs) I guess that's true. You could maybe catch Obi-Wan off guard with that. I think Qui-Gon's seen a boxing glove come out of someone's chest in his day, but Obi-Wan's still just a Padawan. Well,
1: I'm just picturing, you know, when Obi-Wan is hanging in the chasm before jumping over, grabbing the lightsaber, and killing Maul. He's about to jump over, but right as of the punching
0: the wolf,
1: knocks him down, and, and the bad guys, the bad guys win. Always, two there are: a master and a gadget.
0: <laughs> yeah, would, would he be a secret apprentice of Maul's then, much like Dooku uh, had uh, so many secret apprentices?
1: I think he would have to be, yes.
0: Which is also
1: funny because Maul, <coughs> at the time of the Phantom Menace, in the old. Expanded Universe himself was a secret apprentice.
0: Oh, that's true.
1: Yeah, Palpatine still hadn't killed Plagueis yet. So we're just adding more complexity. That Gadget is Maul's secret apprentice. Maul is Palpatine's secret apprentice. And he is Plagueis's, I guess not secret, because Plagueis knows, but nobody else does. Secrecy really shrouds the Sith. I
0: also... Do you oh, think that ahead. then he would show up in the Clone Wars, Inspector Gadget, if, if he gets like transported into the Phantom Menace? I mean, in, in this version, it sounds like Maul wins and kills Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and then is able to... the Trade Federation takes control of the planet. But let's assume that that doesn't <clears throat> quite work, and so Obi-Wan still wins. Mm-hmm. Does Inspector Gadget then show up in the Clone Wars?
1: Well, I think in this scenario, Obi-Wan would still win, Because Anakin will blow up the droid control ship, right? Mm. And so, you know, the droid army does end up losing. And Maul does nothing to stop Queen Amidala and Captain Panaka from getting the Viceroy. So my guess is even if they win, Inspector Gadget and Maul probably have to go on the run. And I could still see things playing out in the way where, you know... Palpatine is disappointed in Maul, so he pushes him away, picks up Dooku, So Maul and Inspector Gadgets are kind of they're like free agents. Kind of like what we see in the Clone Wars TV show with Maul and Savage Press, you know, kind of going about doing their own things. So that's what Inspector Gadgets out doing,
0: doing his own thing. Except for now Maul's is more powerful cuz he still has all his body <coughs> and they're able still- to get everyone together a lot sooner. So we have maybe a stronger Maul faction in this timeline. Yeah,
1: which it, rather than be a, a two faction war with a crime syndicate in the background, it could be a three faction battle between the separatists, the Republic, and then whatever we call the Mall Gadget regime, which will probably end up losing because since the separatists and Republic are both controlled by the same guy, you know, I think the Mall Gadget re- regime would be uh, pushed away. But I also have another theory about Spectre Gadget. I think he's one of the guys in the black hoods on Exegol. And, oh, uh, you know. The Rise of Skywalker that Palpatine killed Maul in this scenario, but he's like Gadget, you're too, you're too good. You go, you go over here, and you prepare for when I need to come back to this place.
0: Because really, Gadget's more into it for the religious aspect of it. He's just really committed to the Sith cause.
1: Oh, he's a sell it through and through. Yeah, he is ready to go. He, you know, he kills Jedi out of pure pleasure.
0: Well, that and that's so- good to know. That that's a, that's that's important to see.
1: Yes, you know, so Matthew Broderick, we're on to you.
0: You better watch out, Matt. We we know that you're a Sith through and through. <laughs>
1: through. Through and through. I mean, how else was he able to convince that principal, you know, that he was
0: Sith? <laughs> how else was he able to convince Cameron to let them borrow his dad's Ferrari?
1: <laughs> his dad's Ferrari. Or that even an idea is so stupid as driving it in reverse for half an hour and put the, the odometer down, you know? Black Magic Broderick, you know that's what they call. Him. <laughs> uh, so is he able okay. to keep
0: getting all these great roles in Hollywood.
1: Exactly. That's how that's how he got uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Man, you know she likes a man who's uh, willing to go to the dark side of the force.
0: If Matthew Broderick was on what is it Jedi uh, Challenge, he would he would take Sam Woodward up in a second. Not only because he's friends with him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, absolutely, I'll help a homie out. um yes and matthew broderick if you're listening and you want to retort this you're always welcome to join the show or if you want to agree with it too
0: yeah get on here you coward
1: (laughs) get you coward yeah strike fear play into his fear that'll get him to show
0: well everyone knows fear is on the path of the dark side
1: exactly so we just have to uh to play that all up um so i'm gonna go ahead to the next film on this list that's worth some amount of note and that is remember the titans
0: Mm, and remember the titans
1: what i think is interesting is at least for me i could be wrong but i think this movie introduced denzel washington to me mm. as a kid i'm not sure it um because you know he's mostly in adult films targeted for an adult audience yeah. this movie came out and it's like oh this guy's a really good actor he's probably got potential not realizing he already he was about to win his um
0: you know second academy award just a year later (laughs) (laughs) but as a kid you know you don't really see him in a lot of things those Mm -hmm. movies yeah i think i saw him in this and then actually not trying to jump back to matthew broderick but i think isn't he in glory too i think i saw glory as well and i I oh yes
1: matthew broderick is the is the um yeah the uh the white union officer
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. I think I saw him in Gloria. It was the the time I saw him after this. Uh huh. But yeah, and, those are my two formative Denzel experiences. And your two
1: formative Matthew Broderick. Unless I don't know <laughs> where Ferris Bueller falls in there. You know, I feel like I didn't see Ferris Bueller till later.
0: Yeah, it might have been a little later. I mean, it, it I wasn't have... ever shown Ferris Bueller in school. I don't think.
1: No, no, yeah, yeah, Glory, Yeah, that's a that's a school film. You know.
0: Oh yeah. Glory! Every 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 kid who grew up when they get to the Civil War and history, you know, they're gonna they're gonna throw on Glory for at least one day just to not have to teach you anything.
1: And mm-hmm. feel like that's it. It's a states' rights issue. No, <laughs> thankfully not. It's not a states' rights issue, people. Hopefully, you are all learning that right now. um <laughs> Yeah. Anyhow, though, remember the Titans. Just a nice little Denzel introduction there. Comically enough, I don't remember much about the Titans plot other than. <laughs> And I think it was um having to deal with racial integration on a football team.
0: Um, yeah. Uh I think I think I think you're right. I think it has to do with that.
1: Well it's definitely it's definitely warranting a uh, a rewatch. So that was in two thousand. Uh oh, and that was a Jerry Bruckheimer film. Jerry Bruckheimer, if if those of you don't remember, you'll soon realize he had a big role in a lot of the movies that came out around this time. I feel like he hasn't done as much recently at least, um, but yeah, he did National Treasures, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, and more, including, remember this is his era then, this is early his 2000s, era, yeah. early two thousand. this is when he is absolutely dominating, we'll get to those two movies in a second, but I, I want to stop by, in 2001, August 3rd, we get introduced, the world is introduced to the magic that is Anne Hathaway, because mm. we get The Princess Diaries,
0: The Wonderful Princess Diary, this is a movie I remember seeing, I think the first time I saw it, I I wasn't too into it, but then I watched it again much later in life, I was like, this is a great movie, I don't know why young, (laughs) why the young version of myself is such an idiot.
1: (laughs) It's a fantastic movie, because it takes on a lot of those, you know, classic tropes you see in the teen movies that were coming out, you know, from like the mid-90s to early 2000s, you know, like all the Freddie Prince Jr. movies and Julia Stiles and all that. So it touches on those tropes, but it puts on this awesome spattering of, oh, hey, you're actually a royal in there.
0: Yeah, it's and, a nice, you know, the Lizzie McGuire movie meets King Ralph, in a way.
1: <laughs> it, it also reminds me, though, of a great thing I saw. Somebody said, uh, what is white people's version of Wakanda? And they said <laughs> it's Genovia. <laughs>
0: I mean, to be honest, the white people version of Wakanda could be any movie and, 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 also, and any Christmas like <laughs> kingdom is also, I think, meets that requirement.
1: Oh, yeah, the Christmas kingdoms, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, because it's that magic hidden aspect, too, and technology beyond wildest dreams, yeah. Mm. The Christmas movies. Well, I think, yeah, you're pretty spot on there, which you know speaking christmas movies the santa claus 2 came out but a year later but you said you haven't seen any of the santa claus
0: no i gotta say i don't engage with the tim allen's live action roles
1: i'm telling you 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 are missing out those movies really are um something else the guy from uh you know the tv show numbers uh no (laughs) okay well he's on that he plays an elf but he aged out of being an elf abigail breslin and her brother were elves in that movie it's a it's 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 a good play, and you grow up with the cast when you go from Santa Claus one, two, and three. Um, another and Tim movie, Allen
0: just found himself in all kinds of movies where you grow up along with it. Toy Story, Santa Claus, Christmas with the Cranks, Christmas with the Cranks.
1: <laughs> he really was into the holiday f- side of things, but he's he's kind of become a well, I guess he always was a wackadoo, um, <laughs> but his wackadoo side I feel like is really coming out more prevalently recently i don't know if that's age or just the environment that we're finding ourselves in for the past uh you know three or four years uh 2002 in addition to giving us the santa claus too speaking of cold let's go to the other side of the world let's go to the south pole and there's snow dogs uh, sorry that wasn't the dogs. south pole Snow that's dogs sure, is yeah. in alaska I'm thinking of that other one where they eight dogs get trapped in the South Pole. Snow Dogs is Alaska. Pardon me, that was a horrible mishap. That's a great. <laughs> movie. Let's edit
0: this out. Just, just cut this part out.
1: No, you know we're gonna keep it raw. I'll let let the audience feel like they're part of it. They can scream. You know, I I, I think I've told you this before. Someone says if you ever want to curious what it's like to be a ghost, it's listening to a podcast or talking about something <laughs> you know the answer to, but they're saying blatantly wrong.
0: Oh, we like to think we can provide that service for everyone who listens to the Babble Bubble.
1: Yeah, in case you you guys are looking for something to yell at right now that you haven't yelled at already, because there is a lot to be angry about. And this is pretty low on the totem pole, but there we go. Pardon me, Snow Dogs takes place in Alaska. Cuba Gooding Jr. plays a hilarious dentist who gets displaced from his fantastic Miami dentistry empire into a cold town of Alaskan dog racing. This, uh, this movie taught me a very important lesson, and that was that people aren't supposed to like blue cheese.
0: Really? That I, I don't think I ever saw this movie, so I never learned that lesson. I've been eating blue cheese my entire life, and now I feel like so, an idiot. You
1: feel like an idiot? You should have real Well, actually, so everybody in the movie dislikes blue cheese, except Cuba Gooding Jr. and his dad in the show. and They're like the odd men out, but I guess maybe the message was, you can like blue cheese if you dream hard enough.
0: Maybe so, it's only the sophisticated people like blue cheese. If you're a common just, rube, then you have no <laughs> taste for it.
1: No taste for the I just yeah, I just not a fan of blue cheese. So I I feel everybody else. Um But yes. Two thousand and two, Snowdog. Did you ever see Balto? Balto?
0: I, I never Balto. saw Snow Dogs, but I imagine it's very similar to Balto.
1: <laughs> Balto's a great movie. Not a Disney film, but a really fantastic movie. I love that one. And um yeah, Balto, <laughs> I would say is a lot better actually, because <laughs> it, ha- it has good messaging, and you know it's about a dog who saves children by getting the medicine, right? But yeah, and just...
0: overcomes prejudice because he's like a yeah. mutt or something.
1: He's a mutt, yeah. So all the all the other like purebred huskies look down on the mutt because like, he may even be half wolf.
0: Oh so, yeah, I think that's right. Or Balto too.
1: His daughter is half wolf.
0: Ah, uh, wait. And does Balto sleep with a wolf in that movie? <laughs>
1: I think it's implied. Wow.
0: I did not know they were that, like, you know, into it in the
1: movie. You know, they, they, isn't there a funny goose in that movie also?
0: Yeah, I think there is a funny goose.
1: <laughs> I feel like, I don't know if this is a TV Tropes page or not, but I feel like there should be a TV Tropes page for hilarious geese.
0: Cause it's, it just, it's like a hilarious cool... waterfowl in general.
1: Yeah, you can expand it to that. You know, I mean, look, you got Daffy and Donald kind of the the creme de la creme of hilarious waterfowl but like I think of the geese and aristocats classic. I think they're the first
0: to really embrace the goofy geese. The goofy goose trope. Yeah. The the neck. The neck is just very silly. And those big beaks, you know their beaks aren't small. They're
1: generally mm, that's true. They're very large. To be, to be large indeed. They're it's like silly
0: swans. And people like si- swans, but they want to be funnier. They want to be a little funnier.
1: They want to have a laugh. You, you stick with the geese. But yes, that's um 2002. In 2003, this is when we get some really good movies in 2000. Oh, yeah. 2003,
0: banner year.
1: Banner year indeed for the Walt Disney Company. So we got in April, on April 18th, we got the movie Holes.
0: Holes. A masterpiece, let me tell you. Did you ever read and- the book Holes? Did you read the book before you saw the film?
1: You know, I never actually did, but I read
0: other stuff by the
1: um, by the guy.
0: I, I think remember. I read it for like school, like in like around when it came out, maybe in two thousand. And then I saw the film, and they're they're both really good. I mean, the book is is very well written, but the movie. Oh, look at this cast list. Just just read it out. Read.
1: Okay, the cast list right here. We have. Of course, you know, working his way through, we got a young Shia LaBeouf, who I guess at this point have been even Stevens pre Transformers. We got Sigourney Weaver as the warden of the of the camp prison. Fantastic, John Voight, kind of as like her little uh, what is he? Would say he, he's the overseer, or isn't he, enforcer? sir? Like Mister
0: Sir, like the
1: Mister Sir, yeah. We have a uh, Patricia Arquette, Tim Blake Nelson, Dule Hill. I mean. There's so much strength in this. You even got my main man reveal isanov. I don't I, I don't know who this person is, but they were on the cast list. They're so big. I mean
0: they're it's some it's they're a great cast, you know?
1: Uh huh. I mean if if they're in holes, they have to be good.
0: One of the fun things about holes is remember when Shia LaBeouf was doing that uh like that art piece where he just watched all of his movies in reverse order? Yeah. <laughs> like just like i i don't know if you've ever seen him but like when he gets to like holes like he is just having a blast like you know he is really into it, it might just be that he's been sitting in a theater now for like like 40 hours or something but he is feeling it when he gets to holes
1: <laughs> it's an, it it really is an intense intense movie i just also love that duley hill's character is an onion salesman right <laughs> I just like can you imagine when you fill out those things in high school and it's oh what's what job is your personality best suited for like super super pleasant easy to fall in love with onion salesman oh Um, yeah
0: that that's the answer right there
1: it's a it's it's a great movie though. Holes holes really holds the truth, holds up holes up well, if you would say.
0: Yeah, you know, I guess it's kinda of disappointing looking back on it that we didn't get like a holes franchise out of, out of this movie, you know. We got like every single other movie out of this time gets like a sequel follow up, but come on, where's holes two?
1: Holes two, back to digging. <laughs> or holier
0: <laughs> holes two, bigger and thing. deeper.
1: But holes too, bigger and <laughs> bigger and deeper. Good God! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so even though holes didn't spawn any sort of franchise or sequels, we were blessed. Later in that year, we got Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl, which um another Jerry Bruckheimer film right there. And I think what made it so surprising to people is. Yeah, it's associated with the Disney ride, but people, I kind of think, weren't expecting it to be, you know, a Disney film. I don't feel like it was that average, like, oh, it's super Disney, you know? And it, you go into it and it plays off like you're watching a film for adults.
0: Yeah, and, no, I think um... like this is a movie that, like, you know, if it is, I've been, on, I've been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland, I think. It's not really a lot like the movie, or at least it wasn't back in the day.
1: Yeah, I know they've updated the ride since to put you know Jack Sparrow there and whatnot, but pretty much they just kept the aesthetic of the guys asking the dog for keys, and that was it. And then they just totally ran with it. And no, this this movie is is truly stellar. I, I heard an interesting take, uh, just to bring it back around to Star Wars. This isn't a prequel take, but I'm, here's what you think about this. Someone compares um, sort of the relationship between. Jack Sparrow, Will Turner, and Elizabeth Swan is kind of like a Luke Leia Han thing going on there. I mean, not exactly. There's a couple differences. Obviously, there's no, you know, interrelatedness. But like, Will Turner is Luke Skywalker, and Elizabeth Swan is uh, is Princess Leia. Meaning, of course, Jack Sparrow is Han Solo. I can, I, you nah, know, I can see.
0: Yeah. There, no, some, I can it, it, see it. the inspiration there. I mean, it, they do each kind of feel like the role of like the straight man, like the wild card and like the like the warrior princess
1: mm-hmm. yeah the the prequels kind of has that not to the same extent though where you could say you know Elizabeth Swan and um, and Padme Amidala are very similar I mean so similar in fact that you know Kira Knightley who plays uh, <laughs> you know Elizabeth Swan played Sabe who is Padme's you know stand-in and bodyguard. So she came from the Star Wars universe, but there's a lot of parallels between Padme and Elizabeth there. But then it's harder when you look at it, if you complete that trio with Obi-Wan and Anakin, who is Will Turner and who's Jack Sparrow? Because both of those guys fill into each of those roles at different times. Obviously, Anakin being the romantic interest, kind of making rash decisions for romance, but he does have that kind of swagalicious attitude that Jack Sparrow does. But I do see Obi-Wan actually kind of as a Jack Sparrow as I'm saying that now. Because he always likes to take kids out to drink. I mean, he takes two Skywalkers <laughs> to a bar. And, you know, he looks like a rum runner in a way. I don't know, you know, but he's a great movie. Jeffrey Rush, of course, as Captain Barbosa.
0: A revelation. A
1: re- it really was. Even if sometimes Jeffrey uh, Rush as Captain Barbosa can leave you abandoned while trying to rob a liquor store. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You can never count on Jeffrey Rush as Barbarossa. Never count on
1: on Jeffrey Rush as Barbarossa. Yeah, he uh, he is a sneaky, sneaky dog. But that did he's only sp- looking
0: out for number one.
1: Uh, number one, which is him. Uh, but that's why the fifth movie that came out, what was that, mm. 2017, 2018, is so good because we finally see that growth, growth for him. But that's a good franchise. It spawned a lot of a lot of fun memories, and in, in that movies, I think everyone would say is pretty much the best, the best version.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you could say like. Is that a good movie? And everyone would say yes. I think you'd ask, "Is there any other good movies in that franchise?" You'd have a good debate. I would say there are other good movies in the parts of the Caribbean franchise. Oh I mean, yeah, obviously there are a bunch of you know bombs as well, but there are some good ones. And
1: every single one of them have good moments. They're all fun. You know, I would say none of them are boring.
0: Well, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe that, it, that, that's that's for sure.
1: But it's, it's it's swashbuckling. Uh, And so speaking of swashbuckling, we're going to move up to 2004, um, where we have Around the World in 80 Days, which, uh, you know, this originally, you know, it's based on the the Jules Verne novel, the first Around the World in 80 Days that came out when 1930s, 1940s, 50s? I have no idea. One best picture. They decided to kick this franchise back up with uh, Jackie Chan
0: and Steve Coogan. Jackie Chan, my acting, one of my one of my great acting inspirations.
1: Well, I'll tell you why Jackie Chan's great. He always knows how to use a prop. Mm. And, uh, you know, I feel like prop acting is very important. Sometimes, even if you don't have a prop, that doesn't, That's true. Mean, doesn't mean you can't act with it.
0: Sometimes it isn't about the props that you have, it's about the props that you don't.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Jackie Chan, he encapsulates this. In any of his fight scenes, he's good with improvising turning crazy stuff. He's a great facial actor, very reactionary to things happening around him. You know, I think it's unfortunate that this movie came out in the midst of when the rush hour movies were happening and Shanghai noon and Shanghai mm-hmm. night or whatever, yeah. you know, th- those, those whole films. Oh, and the tuxedo. Remember that one where he steals in oh, a tuxedo. Yeah. That's a great one. So this one gets kind of lost in the Jackie Chan collection, but you know, there's, there's some good moments of it. Uh, but then in November, 2004, We get yet another Jerry Bruckheimer film, National Treasure. And
0: Is National Treasure Nicolas Cage's defining role in film? That's the question I have for you.
1: You know, I would have to say yes. And and maybe it's just because of the same reasons how Remember the Titans introduced me to Denzel Washington. I, I don't think I knew much about Nick Cage before National Treasure. And so it's definitely, I'm skewed into saying yes to this question, but you definitely see the full range of him that at the same time is within reason. It's, it's, it's a very tangible, crazy Nick Cage.
0: No, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's necessarily like his best role, but I mean, like, what, what's the role that taps into the psyche of who Nicolas Cage is? He's fun, a little crazy totally impenetrable at times just like Mm -hmm. this movie and its Mm -hmm. sequels so nicholas cage is jesus uh no but he clearly works in mysterious ways and maybe that's just his job and that's why critics can call him a genius or an idiot and be right no matter what Mm, a demon to some and an angel
1: to others like a Cenobite. it's what what i like about this film is sean bean makes it to the end (laughs) you know he plays the villain and he doesn't die and that's just, that's, he gets arrested, mind you. So, you know, he doesn't get off scot free, but he doesn't get beheaded, quartered, thrown off a dam, um, shot by multiple arrows. I mean, poor guy, shot through a, a, a Yates poetry book by Christian Bale. I mean, those mm-hmm. videos of him dying are about like 10 minutes long in so many movies, but national treasure. He, uh, he makes it. It's really funny when I, I rewatched this film maybe like a year ago for the first time in a decade, I was expecting him to die. Like that he was. I, I forgot that he doesn't get pushed off a cliff and has like a Disney villain, you know, Claude Frollo or Percival McLeach type death going on there, you know?
0: Yeah, to be honest, I thought he did die. I, I didn't remember that he made it all the way through.
1: He makes it all the way through to the end. So that that is reason for applause. With hints that he should show up in future films, but they only made two, and it's Ed Harris, who's the bad guy in the second mm. one, which it works, you know? It, it, that's not an upgrade or a downgrade. It's just a swap. Of, uh, of different people right there. But National Treasure, great movie indeed. Um, 2005, the final year of the prequels era. And um, I think the two films that kind of s- stick out to me from 2005 are Sky High and The Chronicles of Narnia. And both I'll good s-
0: films. Both
1: are good films and both of them should have in my opinion, spawned off something way greater than they actually did.
0: You know, I mean, well, yeah, I don't know about Sky High on that front, but I mean, I don't know, Sky High is tough because it's got some interesting like cast members, but I, I don't think I was as impressed with the the film as a whole.
1: You're just not you're just not seeing it through the the right eyes. You know, it isn't.
0: A... Maybe it needs a rewatch. You know, it's been a while. You know.
1: It, it it really I, I rewatched it just two nights ago. It is it is fantastic. And I don't know if you you may remember the two characters, but I think it is has the greatest ship, unfulfilled like romantic ship of all time. And that is Layla Williams should have ended up with Warren Peace. That's the fire guy and the plant girl.
0: Ah, all right. Which all right, also
1: man. what a great superhero name that is. Like for you just like your <laughs> alter ego, Warren Peace.
0: Warren oh Peace oh my
1: god it's war and peace he's so tough but yes, yeah, you know i it's a, it he got mary elizabeth winstead getting her started on her uh you know very lucrative career playing superheroes or comic book adaptations because of course we later see her in scott pilgrim versus the world and then um again most recently in birds of prey so it's a good jumping point i think that um uh what's his face kurt russell as the commander does a really good job. Also, this is a reason why you should watch it. It is the coming out role for Jim Rash is in that movie. Oh,
0: I didn't know Jim Rash was in it.
1: Neither did I until I was watching it and I heard the he has makeup on cuz he plays a villain and I was like, "Wait, holy is that him?" And then lo and behold, you see one scene without the makeup. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's him." I'll be and he basically is playing the dean. Like you see he, he... So really the dean is just playing um you know uh stitches that's his character in, in sky high he's pretty much just a stitch it a stitches knockoff oh daddy's little girl oh.
0: i was actually just watching uh friends for the first time through and and he the germash is also in the final season of that in the final oh, wow. episode even
1: i had no idea good for him so this is back when he had a little bit of hair then
0: yeah he still has a little hair and again it's it's yeah. pretty much the dean who's just on a plane in this case yeah
1: <laughs> Oh yes, if if you're looking for things to watch in the animated Harley Quinn show, he plays the Riddler, and mm-hmm. oh, he, he he's fantastic. But yes, Sky High, I think it's underrated. Uh, then we jump to Chronicles of Narnia, which yeah, I think the most disappointing thing about that film is how bad the following two were that they didn't scrap. They didn't. They never finished it. You know, it was great.
0: Yeah, no, the first one definitely set a tone, but I just wasn't ever able to keep up with it, like the the sequels.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean we had James McAvoy as uh, Mr. Tomness. I mean that that's really a really kickstarting
0: yeah. a lot of furries in that movie.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean Liam Neeson. There's the prequels connection right there. Playing Aslan, Aslan, I'm probably battling as long as I'm trying to say his name, you know. Tilda Swinton as the white queen. I mean, this is you know, Disney was getting some big players in all these movies. I'm realizing there's kind of a, a common trend here. Uh but anyhow, that that's the end of the list of films that stand out to me. There's a couple of h- films on here that I n- have heard the name, never have seen, and there's others that I just never even heard of at all. So we're gonna w- what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go through some of these, and uh, we're gonna create try to figure out what the plot is just by the title. Now, all right, mysterious, I'm excited. Yeah, mysterious Mr. L. If you've seen it, don't tell me. You could say the whole plot. Wow, that's really good. And it turns out you actually did see the movie but anyhow my favorite martian came out in 1999
0: all right my favorite martian um all right well i think this one takes place on venus right it's a it's a it's a a misdirect in the title
1: i'll 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 give you who is the cast in here
0: give me me give me some characters
1: okay i'll just say their names and who played them okay so christopher lloyd played uncle martin who is all the right. Martian.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's Martin, Martian. It's They're right next to each other.
1: It, it works. And then Jeff Daniels plays a down-on-his-luck news producer named Tim. Okay. Those are, those are kind of the big names. It kind of drops. I, I don't know any of these other people.
0: All right. So, so anyhow, all that, right. that's
1: who you got going with. You got
0: All right, I got those two. That's all I need. I, I can tell you the story from this. Alright, so we've got the down the luck newscaster who's looking for his next big story, right? He's the No one watches TV news anymore. He doesn't know what he's going to do. So he goes and he talks to his Uncle Martin. And uh, his Uncle Martin, he's like, oh, well, I'm sure something good will happen when he leaves. But then when he's coming back because he forgot his code, he walks in and he sees that his Uncle Martin is actually an alien. A Martian. From Venus? And, well, from Venus, of course. Uh, a Venetian. He's he's been saved by the Gungans.
1: <laughs> it's all coming around.
0: It's all it all it all comes back. But uh, uh, and so he 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 gets filmed though. He he whips out his camera, or he comes back later to try and get footage, and he gets some footage of his uncle, who's a mart, who's a Martian. They puts it on TV, and it, you know it's bringing people back, and he's doing well. He's making money again. But then the government comes knocking. They're like, "We need you to take us to the Martian." <laughs> and uh in the end, like he learns the value of family
1: you know what i i'm I'm sure that's exactly how it went that seems to really make sense uh I have nothing more to add it was just so beautifully articulated i'm gonna jump to uh the next movie Disney's the kid came out in two thousand seen this one i i have never seen it and it, it disney's the kid that's in the title the disney oh, disney's movie. in
0: the, is in the title
1: it, yes so that's that's something to consider as, as we look at this. Uh just as a as a, a little giveaway, so this is um it was directed by John Turtletaub, who's the guy who most recently directed the movie The Meg. That shark with the Megalodon. Isn't that a character
0: shark? from Bojack Horseman?
1: Turtletaub? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I haven't <laughs> I haven't seen the show. Um but there is Bruce Willis, is the main character. He plays Russ. Emily Mortimer uh, plays Amy. I don't know if that's the wife. Lily Tomlin is in it, and Larry King shows up in him as himself. Matthew Perry shows up as a cameo in the film. So there we go. All right, I got
0: all I need. I got all I need. need. All
1: right. So what's going on in Disney's
0: Kid? All right. So um, all right, in this movie, uh, we got Bruce Willis. What? What's this character's name again? Russ. Russ. Alright, so Russ, Russ is, a, is a single father, and uh, he's got a child who is the kid, the titular the kid, um, who I guess is played by, I don't know, someone. Someone, he's played by someone. Um, but he's trying to figure out who the mother is. And so he uh, he goes to ask uh, Matthew Perry who the mother is, because Matthew Perry knows, because he knows everything. Uh and so he, he goes around, he's meeting with uh, Emily Mortimer, Matt, he's meeting Perry with Lily is Tomlin. He's a well-connected
1: man, you know.
0: He's a well-connected man, he knows everything. So he, he basically whittles it down to Emily Mortimer Lily Tomlin. And, uh, you know, the whole thing's about finding family, you know, and the family you have is maybe the, it isn't about biology, it's about who you're with. It's all about family.
1: Who, who you're with. It's, so both of these movies are about finding family.
0: Yeah, every movie is about finding family.
1: Every, every, that's that's the
0: secret that's the secret right
1: that is the secret sauce about the uh, finding family no i i i really i really like that you know i actually the one kind of twist I would throw into is maybe in the middle of there there is a dream sequence where Bruce willis himself gets turned into a child
0: yeah no i mean that that would and definitely he, be in there, and then and also he, he has turns to deal around with
1: his own relationship. Mm-hmm
0: yeah and also in that dream sequence he also becomes the mother as well so it isn't just <laughs> he he's a possibility too we don't want to rule that out
1: yeah it's that's the magic of bruce willis he has that much range this is also from bruce willis with hair uh period as well he wasn't oh, fully yeah. fully bald yet so this is like this is jim rash with hair this is this is bruce willis with hair uh so finally we have the ice princess came out in 2005 that, believe it or not, is not about Frozen. That's the Ice Queen.
0: Is it a prequel for Frozen?
1: Well, you know what? I honestly have no idea. We have, uh, it stars Joan Cusack and Kim Cattrall, Sex in the City, and uh, Hayden Panettiere, and Michelle mm-hmm. Trachtenberg. I couldn't tell you anything about Michelle Trachtenberg, so do with that what you will. It seems to be the main... The main character there, um, oh, she's Harriet the spy, and she was right. a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So she's she's experienced. She knows how to act.
0: All right. You know, here's my here's my theory for this one. All right. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think it's actually a Frozen prequel. I know that it makes sense that could be it, but this is 2005. They were really focused on Tangled at the time. I think so. We're still a little too far out for Frozen to really be on their minds. All right. So I think uh, we got Michelle Trachtenberg. Is she in this one? Mm-hmm. All right, so we got Michelle Trachtenberg, and she's like a she's like a a, a student, like a science student, and she's got like a, she's about to go to college, uh, like to Harvard or something. Um, and uh, she's got to go do like some some program though, where she learns or she gets experience uh, ice skating. So she decides to make it into a a hobby of hers, and uh, you know she's skating, she meets all these other people. And eventually, she has to think about like what she's going to do. Is she going to pursue skating, or is she going to go to Harvard? And in the end, she learns. So it's actually all about family. You know, it's really <laughs> it's the people who now. you're with. You know, <laughs> forget Harvard. Harvard's not a family. It's It's, not all, family it's all about industry, skating. Man.
1: No, if, yeah. if, if if you want to go to family, go to Yale. That's where the Bushes all went. You know, that's a family Ivy League.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yale is definitely the more family friendly Ivy League school.
1: Family Harvard, I don't know about any, any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just looking to get ahead at Harvard.
1: Everyone's just, yeah. You know, sometimes it's not... It's important to look forward, but look back. And when you look back, you realize what's behind you isn't that far. You can still touch your past.
0: It's there. Perfectly put.
1: You know, that it's all about family. All these movies are about family, just like all of Star Wars is about family. So yeah, I haven't been paying attention to how many of these movies we've talked about, but I'd say it's been a solid 10, maybe a little more. There's plenty others that uh, are worth Conversing, and uh, if you, the listeners, are upset that we didn't spend enough time talking about, or any time talking about, let's say, Tuck Everlasting or Miracle, well, you know what? Start your own show and you can talk about them. I encourage creativity. Go all the way. Mysterious- That's
0: just the way it goes. The
1: way it goes. Absolutely. So, Mysterious Mr. L, per usual, thank you for stopping by. It's been a good, of course. invigorating conversation. You know, hopefully the people listening to the show will feel inspired by you to pick up the phone and, you know, call their mom. Offer to play catch <laughs> with their dad if they live in the same city as them because they oh, can't yeah. travel right now. Just, you know.
0: I was just going to say, just remember, folks, it's all about family.
1: It's all about family. I mean, that's... Bruce Willis knows. Jeff Daniels knows. Michelle Trachtenberg knows. It is all about family. Per usual... Thank you all for stopping by the Babble Bubble. Check us out on Twitter. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. So if you have a friend who says they have a the device they can't listen to it, we'll force it down their throats and down their eardrums and let them listen to the show. It's been a pleasure, and we will catch you around the corner.